Okay, let's start off with this one. Malaysia's Prime Minister Mohyuddin Yassin attended his resignation yesterday. So, Ibrahim, what happened in the lead-up to the PM's resignation? We know for a fact that 15 UMNO MPs pulled their support from Perikatan National, resulting in the fall of the government. It is as simple as that. 15 MPs uh, led by uh, Zaid Amidi pulled out and then the government fell. That's the, the long and short of it. Uh, but okay. the consequence of the resignation is more important because um, there is a statement that the palace issued yesterday um, and the palace says that in line with section 42A of the federal constitution, uh, the king must appoint an MP which in his view has the majority of support of MPs as the new Prime Minister. However, the statement did not reveal any timeline of the appointment of the appointment of the ninth Prime Minister. So we're going to have uh, Muhyiddin Yassin as the caretaker PM for quite a bit. It can be as short as two or three days, but it can be as long as uh, a month. We really don't know, or even longer than that. Will uh, it so go all the way to the next elections, you think? Why not? Because uh, the king must appoint an MP, which in his his view has the uh, majority of support. Okay. Uh, so I think that's the key right now. So but what if no one person has majority support to step into the PM's position? Then the parliament will be uh, dissolved. It is as simple as that. However, in uh, the palace statement that we spoke of uh, yesterday, uh, the palace did say that 79% uh, of all the state assemblies were still in so-called red zone or COVID-19 red zones. Uh, and the Sri Parikabagina is aware um, of the nation's healthcare facilities that are still at a worrying rate um, and the statement says that as such in his view uh, holding a GE15 is not the best option for now considering the challenges faced by the Rakyat. So not the best option for now. So what is the best option for now? Uh, it is to appoint uh, the ninth Prime Minister. So I have, assuming the timeline is uh, long assuming that this may go on for months uh, or weeks, then suddenly we might have a statement coming in from the palace saying that a G15 could be the best option, uh, the lesser of two evils, uh, so to speak. But for now, according to the statement, it is not the best option to go for polls. What is the best option? To elect the ninth prime minister. Let's talk fully vaccinated. So the target figure of vaccinating 80% of the adult population has been reached in the city. Nice. So, Ibrahim, what does reaching the target mean for all of us, the rest of us even? Technically, it's only KL. It's long or not yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. If, did you guys watch the sort of like a farewell message by um, KJ on Sunday, two days ago? It was a farewell message of sorts because we know that uh, this administration was already at the tail end of its life and uh, the resignation of the Prime Minister would also mean the resignation of all the cabinets right, uh, right. automatically. There is no assurance that KJ will be reappointed to spearhead the vaccination program, which is, sad. Uh, which is sad. In fact, some calls are saying it doesn't matter who is the next PM, KJ should continue on doing his job. So, you know, all this background aside, uh, in KJ's, um, you know, quote unquote, farewell message, uh, which he did in two languages, he was outlining the percentages that uh, is uh, being rolled out, uh, the uh, number of vaccines that were being bought uh, and scheduled to arrive, all that. These are all technical stuff. And we are all always kept abreast at all the news. And of course, in that um, statement also, he mentioned uh, those between 12 to 17 years old uh, needs to be properly vaccinated. And therefore, they will start administering uh, the vaccine to 12 to 17. But they will start with um, those with severe medical illnesses. It means, you know, 80% doesn't mean 
adult 80%. 80% means the entire population. The human beings uh, in Malaysia, 80%, then only we can achieve some sort of herd immunity. Having said that, there are some studies, particularly by John Hopkins, is that they're saying things like that 80% uh, herd immunity is not going to be a realistic target because of all the variants, the Lambda variant, Delta variant. We might have to push it up to 90% or even higher than that to achieve herd mm-hmm. immunity. Whatever it is, uh, a lot of um, conversation needs to be done. Uh, but uh, I don't know whether the change of government or the new prime minister or all these other talk- talks that are currently happening right now, it's going to slow down the vaccination program. My feeling is it will inadvertently. Yeah. Um, despite somebody telling phase, me, right? oh, definitely. You know, yeah. somebody was telling me, oh, you don't have to worry. The KSN, the KSU of the ministries are still working. The ministry is still there. The minister might not be there. Uh, mm. So the program will, you know, go on as per okay. usual. Okay. That's wishful thinking, in my opinion. Because in Malaysia, nothing works unless the minister is there. That's my thinking. I am happy to be proven wrong. Right. Okay. But whatever it is, the next five to ten days is going to be critical because, uh, you know, with all the whole administration, new, old, everything is in in hazy connection right now. That's concerning. Yeah. DAP Secretary General Lim Guan Eng has come out strongly against federal agencies who he said were responsible for the shortage of supplies leading to the closures of four vaccination centers in Penang. So, Abraham, what led to the closures of of the four PPVs in Penang? Okay, the issue here is on the federal agencies um, uh, closing the PPV center is because of the shortage of supply. Um, And he said that the problem includes a delay in, uh, you know, appointing a coordinator for the operation search capacity. And, you know, this is all uh, finger pointing, you know, that fellow didn't do his job, this fellow didn't do his job. Generally speaking, that's all there is to this story. But what we need to understand also is this. When we look at the data of people being vaccinated according to state, Penang stacks up very uh, interestingly uh, poor uh, because as it stands, yeah, as, as of uh, 15th August, uh, this is the data that I have. I'm sure there's a 16th August data as well. But as of 15th August, 54% of people inside Penang have been vaccinated. 54%, it's lower than Negeri Milan, 60%. Mm-hmm. Lower than uh, Klang Valley, which is uh, 77% for one dose. Uh, lower than, uh, these are adults, yeah? Uh, lower than uh, Sarawak, 64%. Lower than, what else? Uh, Labuan. Uh, for a big state like Penang, we really need to look at the comparable big states. Um, in this sense, Johor. Johor is 43% of the total population be vaccinated uh, with one dose or 60% of uh, population, uh, adult population being vaccinated with one dose. So Penang is behind, but at the same time, it's not it's not really, really behind. Okay, so I don't know whether Wan Eng is trying to score political points and making a hill out of a mound. Uh, I think that he needs to chill and we just uh, need to wait for the P- PPVs to reopen uh, when the supply comes. Uh, there's nothing more to this story. It's basically a, a non-story if you ask me. The country needs to invest more in developing its public health expertise, said Health Ministry Director General Dr. To Nori Sham Abdullah at a virtual medical conference. Now, how vital is it for Malaysia to have its own version of the CDC? It's actually quite vital because if you look at Malaysia's um, ability to control the pandemic, it's actually quite slow. Um, we all have to wait for announcements from ministries, a bunch of councils, anywhere from the National Security Council to the National Recovery Plan 
council and then you have the dg of health very bureaucratic statements. there's a lot of levels right yeah you have the health minister you have right. the prime minister sometimes issuing statement and then of course not to forget uh, the senior minister in charge of public safety previously it was mail sabri these days it's ishamuddin so who's in charge mm. okay i i think uh, when you look at the cdc in the uk uh, sorry in the us it's uh, anthony fauci you may hate him you may love him you may not believe him or you may believe him but it's anthony fauci he's running the he's show he's that one Simple. point man right yeah is that one point and then it's easy to to pin the blame on him it's also easy to pin the credits to him if things go well uh, it's also important for the person in charge i.e. the president of the united states to sack him or fire him and and replace him with a new person whatever it is there has to be some sort of control right mm. um it's not it's not uncommon uh, bank negara provides control we have the finance ministry we have all the ministries you know doing economic stuff uh, for the country but the bank negara is the one and only uh god uh, when it comes to financial regulations in malaysia right. and you know the the pope of that church is the go- governor of bank negara you know this right we've been taught that this is the case you yeah. know and this this fella will sign on every dollar bill that we have or ringgit bill that we have it's mm. so clear that every time there is a new government gubernatorial i fudged that up gubernatorial change it's it's a momentous journey for the country to experience right oh you know the, we're going to have a new signature on our ringgit bill that's the that's the yeah. easiest way to to put things into context right right why can't we have something and by the way yeah I would say that health is a little bit much more important than money. So if we place a lot of you know importance into who is in charge of our money, why can't we put the same uh, sort of consideration on putting somebody in charge of our health? So I think mm. having some sort of um you know uh, CDC is important because then only we can talk about public health expertise. Okay, let's talk about the NRP um and the phases so all non-essential activities in the manufacturing construction mining and quarrying sectors have been allowed to resume operations in phase 1 2 and 3 of the national recovery plan as of yesterday so what are some of the conditions that will be imposed prior to these sectors reopening to ensure that there won't be a new cluster yeah it's very difficult for us to talk about this right now because this uh, plan was being introduced by muhyiddin's administration uh, as we know different uh, bosses have different style of doing things um the person in charge of the national recovery council uh, is or was uh, tanku zafrul we have to start to ask ourselves uh, if this is going to even take place and what i can share with you is that uh, we're going to be receiving a lot of news on this not just you know who becomes the prime minister who has the best chance of becoming prime minister who will be named as the next prime minister all that yeah of course will dominate the headlines but the second page kind of thing sorry i'm i'm going back to newspaper right you you go to the first page you go to the <laughs> third page right because the third page is an extension of the f- first page and then you look on the side which is the second page that's where all the other stuff is right so the second page of the news would be this EMCO at the localities returning of businesses uh, to make sure that uh, you know it's not just lives but livelihoods as well mm. uh, all this can be better elucidated in the days to come all right so it's very difficult for us to plan properly in terms of what will happen uh, mm. because the people who said that things should happen are no more 
That's the only problem right, that we have right now. So that's another problem, though. That some of these businesses were like they were only given one day to implement this because it was uh, announced on a weekend. Then they had to. It's also bizarre. It's bizarre. Some of the SOPs are just bizarre. Like uh, like the workers must uh, be fully vaccinated, but the uh, patrons doesn't have to be vaccinated. So oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of these kinks that needs to be ironed out uh, properly. Uh, and mm. I think uh, you know, yeah, I mean, internet can be nasty. They started attacking the the the. The, the SOP, but you know, I mean, just use common sense, lah. I yeah. Mean, My only oh, worry is that about they start opening up again, and then today things have changed again. So now they might go back to closing it down again. So it's it's hard if yeah, you're a business yeah. owner, right? What are you yeah. supposed to do? What you're not supposed to do? A bit of a personal but sad note. My sister, who is a doctor in uh, hospital Kuala Pila, has contracted coronavirus. She's oh, tested no. positive for the third time. Wow. For the third time. Right, she was. She first contracted it last year. She contracted it again this year, earlier this year. Now, th- th- so I, she is probably the first person that I know of that got COVID three, three times. Three times, My right? Goodness. Um, uh, while she's not in the best of health, what do you call that? The pink of health. While she's yeah. not in the pink of health, uh, she is okay. All right, she's uh, recuperating well. She's uh, uh, self uh, isolated. Uh, she's vaccinated, of course, because she's a doctor. She's been double vaccinated since. I think April, even March. I think, um, but this is what it is, right? You are going to continuously get COVID. Okay, mm. that's how it is. Mm. But, like Singapore has already know, started going. Like, let's live with this, right? Yeah, exactly, right. The government is studying the possibility of turning Langkawi into a pilot project for the tourism bubble before it reopens the country. So. Why Langkawi being considered as the pilot project for this bubble? Uh, I mean, the obvious reason is because the MP of Langkawi is uh, Tun Mahathir. Uh, but that, that is the political argument to it. Uh, the uh, economic argument is this. Um, you only have a few travel bubble possibilities uh, or, or candidates uh, in our country. Um, Tioman, Redang, Perhentian. Yeah, that's about it, right? Uh, at least from Semenanjung, Saban, Sarawak, you have... Uh, maybe the Tungkot Brahman water park, but mm. that is it's difficult to pull that one off because it's still um, adjacent towards Kota Kinabalu. Whatever it is, uh, they want to do this because uh, it's important for them to try out how living with COVID will look like. When we talk about, say, for instance, Langkawi being considered as a pilot project for the tourism bubble, uh, it's also important that Langkawi is perhaps one of the larger islands compared to, say, Tioman or, or Redang, right? Operantian. Um, and Langkawi also has a complete infrastructure from jetties to airports, yeah, good roads, uh, and the proximity to uh, Thailand, right? If you ever want to go to Kopangan, uh, you can jump from uh, Malaysia to Thailand from Langkawi to Kopangan, right? So, you know, it's just perfect all around. That's why. Um, so, but these economic arguments are secondary to the to the political argument, which is that Mahade is going to be important uh, in the days to come when it comes to the new administration. You need to carry favors uh, from Tone, uh, and this is the easiest way to carry the favor.